Hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and also on 5:40 a.m. on yes. the, on the a.m. side of the dial too. Yep. Uh, you can just switch back and forth. Just pick one of them. Uh, we are going to be here for an hour. That's and right. uh, today we're talking about what we always talk about, which is helping you help others. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. And, and that's like our favorite thing to talk that's about. That's right. Helping people. Got to help somebody. <laughs> uh, that's a song that we sing to warm ourselves up before each show. <laughs> today specifically, what's our topic today, Pop? Mental Health. Mental health. Because one of the reasons is um, there's so many, there's so much happening publicly today um, that people um, speculate is, um, has, a, uh, has as its origin a mental health problem. And Florida just happens to be ranked 49th out of 50 states in funding for mental health. Wow. Yeah, so we, we 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 need to talk about this. Yeah, the only state that ranks lower than us is the state of denial. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it, mental health, you know, uh, if you if you look at its uh, if, at its counterpart is mental dishealth, which as a doctor I can tell you is uh, is actually called mental illness. Oh, okay, uh, there you go. Dishealth, and not a lot of people know this. Not even a word. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it would look too much like dishealth, <laughs> and so uh, mental. Mental illness is, uh, it's a really uh, interesting and, and helpful topic, uh, specifically for what we talk about on this show, which is helping the people that are uh, the vulnerable, the disenfranchised, uh, because it's such a large percentage of the population right. uh, that, that within that group, uh, yeah. you know, people that are uh, homeless, people that are uh, um, in, the, in the poorest uh, strata of, of the socioeconomic ladder, um, Mental health can be up to 25, 30 uh, percent yeah. uh, in, in cases uh, in, in, the, in those groups. And, uh, and, and it's not a it's it's not really a chicken or egg type of thing. Uh, if, if you have mental illness, uh, it makes it really, really hard to 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 do the stuff you need to do to uh, to actively uh, contribute to society, to have your own home, to, to do those things. But interestingly enough, uh, it's it's not like mental illness is this monolithic thing. You know, yeah. it's a uh, it is uh, it is uh, otherwise psychiatrists would not they'd be out of a job. Yeah. They, they would uh, they'd be like, well, that person has mental illness. There'd be some big one big pill that'd be some color, and then you'd take it and be good. But there's such a, a, a variegated, uh, fractionated uh, spectrum spectrum of mental right of That's mental right. illness. Everybody has idiosyncrasies. Exactly. But when you come to Further down the line of neuroses and psychoses, there's there's a whole different category, and it and it and it and it idiosyncrasies don't render you dysfunctional, mm -hmm. um, but but what we're talking about today does. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so we thought maybe in this first segment here, uh, you know, hard to hard to sometimes do uh, the bright side on all these topics to be like, ha ha, this, but. With this one, it's easier because uh, there is a spectrum. And so we thought we'd go through some of the people who had um, mental health issues more on the idiosyncrasy side of things. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, but but truly uh, weird uh, from from the perspective of somebody who doesn't suffer from these problems. My favorite one um, is <clears throat> Henry Cavendish. I listened to this audiobook on tape on loop uh, for a year or so. Uh, I mean, just over and over again called uh a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson. And he walks through basically 
starting 13 and a half billion years ago till now uh, and talks about just the development of the world. But when he gets to this age of rapid scientific development uh, in the in the late 1600s through the 1700s, um, he has this whole part developed or uh, dedicated to Henry Cavendish. Uh, oh, really? And Henry Cavendish, um, he he was a brilliant scientist. Uh, and he was uh, he had one of the things you needed to have uh, to be a great scientist back then, which was a lot of money. He had a, yeah. he had a big family name. Uh, so he was a, a person who was uh, a, from a famous family, but he would have preferred to not have it that way. Uh, I mean, the guy was the first to actually discover hydrogen as an element and uh, and to be able to to isolate it and describe its its uh, elemental properties. Uh, he was the first one who discovered uh, uh, he he calculated astoundingly accurately the uh, the weight the ma- not the uh, weight but the mass of the Earth. Uh, really, it, it just. Uh, all through really brilliant, rigorous scientific method using instruments that he had in his laboratory, you know, many of which he he uh, created himself. Uh, but that guy didn't want anyone to talk to him or look at him or I mean, he was famous, famously reclusive. Uh, really? Yeah, not just not just necessarily agoraphobic. And agoraphobia is the uh, is the uh, is is a problem where you don't want to uh, be out in public spaces or be with uh, lots of people. Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, if you have agoraphobia, you, you can't go to the mall, for instance, because there's a lot of people when you're out in the public. Uh, he had like that, but also in his own home, he didn't want he he didn't want people to to really uh, talk to him, uh, even that worked in his house and stuff like that. Do you like think that. he was somewhere on the autism <clears throat> spectrum? He he could have been, and it's interesting because the more info we have on people, just from uh, the modern, uh, the amount of documentation of how they live their life and, and, and works that they left behind in their own journals and their diaries. Uh, you can, you can do some of that. It's, it's really hard to, uh, to, uh, diagnose somebody, even if you're just watching them on TV, even though that's people's favorite thing to do. (laughs) Um, but yeah, looking back on it, um, uh, it would, it'd be unsurprising if he was somewhere on the autism spectrum. And also, uh, it's possible to have, uh, personality disorders, uh, that would strike you just as this is a very odd person, but not as somebody who has a specific mental illness. Yeah. One of those is uh, is people that have uh, schizoid personality disorder. It's one of the uh, cluster A personality disorders. All the uh, um, uh, people that are uh, antisocial. Uh, um, oh, sorry, that's cluster B actually. Um, but uh, people that are uh, uh, really reclusive, uh, schizoid and schizophreniform personality disorders, uh, they are, they're described as the night watchman. Like that, they, they function and they live within society, but they, 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 could, they could do without human contact. I get you. Uh, and so anyway, the reason I felt like he's such an interesting one to talk about in this first segment and why I was so glad that our research department, my mother, uh, <laughs> was, uh, d- uh, talked about him in, in the research for this, he accomplished amazing things, you know, and so... There is this spectrum of mental illness uh, where you can have an extremely high IQ, an extremely large amount of drive uh, and vision and just be very creative and brilliant. Uh, but you also can have parts of your brain that aren't functioning the way that uh, that everyone else's does. Uh, and I feel like it's important to know that because it highlights that uh, mental illness is its is its own thing. It is yeah. it's it's not a specific uh, personality trait. It's not a specific IQ. It's uh, it's it's its own part of uh, of how our brain works. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the list of people that have done really big things that had different you know personality uh, idiosyncrasies uh, is 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 pretty decent. Um, I mean, uh, Tesla's on there. He was 
uh, famously uh, bizarre, and uh, he really loved uh, pigeons. Uh, like, and I know what you're thinking. Like, well, birds are nice, but no, he he like they were his <laughs> friends. Uh, and uh, and then you have uh, um, Thomas Edison was you know he he worked with Tesla and also. Um, Kind of uh, screwed him over. You allowed to say screwed him over on the radio? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, but he was, you know, he probably had some pretty antisocial tendencies just based on what we know of him. Uh, Isaac Newton was also very, very, very unusual man. Interesting. Uh, he uh, he one time just uh, took a knitting needle and put it in the area between his eyeball and eyelid just to push back as far, just to see how far back it would go. Oh my uh, gosh! Uh, and uh, it was just. <laughs> Uh, he was just a, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, he probably did have some, some yeah. autistic stuff going on too, um, but they accomplished great things. And so today, uh, what we're talking about is, is how mental illness affects the, the people that we're talking about, which yeah. are the, the vulnerable and the poor. Cause, uh, as somebody that, you know, you've been on the front lines of this with, yeah. you know, the last couple of years, you were the chairman of the central Florida commission on homelessness. Yeah. You, I mean, you got to see uh, you know, the effect this yeah, has wild. on and I started out um, doing my doctoral work at the Central State Hospital for the Mentally Insane. This is uh, forty years ago. And what I want to do because I I love this one story from your what your early <laughs> like when you were very first there. I want when we come back we can uh, I want you to tell the story of of, oh, of your first day there uh, or one of your first days there. Uh, today we're going to be uh, discussing that and mental illness and how it affects this community. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes after this break. Welcome back to The Bright Side. I am Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. Uh, we are both named Joel Hunter, and we like to talk about uh, ways to help people. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the whole point of this show. Uh, and people that need help, uh, a lot of times that's because of situations that aren't happy. They're sad. Uh, it's, they're, they're not, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the, the dark side of things. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what we do here. Yeah, uh, sure. it's, it's The Bright Side. Today we're talking about mental illness. Uh, and the effect that that has specifically on the homeless population uh, and just people that are uh, kind of disenfranchised as a whole. Uh, but this is uh, we're neither one of us are really strangers to this uh, to this uh, this illness uh, in general. There's a lot of different types of it. Uh, but you had to you worked uh, in seminary, right? You had to go to it. You were at an inpatient facility. Back in, yeah. Back in the early 70s, when I was working on my um, doctorate, um, I was um, um employed to work at the Central State Hospital for the Mentally Insane. This is back when there were residential institutions for um, most of the most extremely mentally ill folks, the dysfunctional ones. And, uh, and I remember showing up the first day, and I was, of course, I was intimidated. I was just in my early 20s, um, and, um, and um, so I got on campus, and, and of course, I'm remembering every Alfred Hitchcock movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and I'm walking across um, campus, and to make a long story very short, this lady springs out from a bush. Uh, obviously, had never seen her before. It's my first time on campus. She'd never seen me before, but she said, I know who you are, and I know what you've been saying about me, and I will kill you. Wow. And it was just like, holy <laughs> cow, good first day. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, and that explains a, a little bit about what makes people uncomfortable uh, dealing with this. Let, I mean, let alone just talking about it. You know, I mean, it's it's something where uh, you if if you can't just laugh it off, uh, it, if you actually get uh, down uh, into uh, where you're where you're living uh, in the same space as somebody who suffers from severe mental illness. Yeah. 
Um, it's a, it's an unnerving thing. People are really uncomfortable with that idea of no one likes unpredictability. Uh, and uh, people really hate unpredictability with a knife. Uh, and so exactly. it makes it, it makes it really, really hard to deal with. Well, and, 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 you know, I came to my definition of insanity and it, that fits institutions as well as individuals. Um, and, and that is, uh, only listening to the voices inside your own head, but thinking they come from outside your head. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and I and I so I think that what we're talking about today, and the, and the reason that we need to take the treatment of mental illness a lot more seriously, um, is that um, there are people around us that are just growing um, in in this pattern of thinking, um, and we're avoiding a problem and making for more damage on down the road. So. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there are, um, there's, there's just a wide, wide range of, of mental illness. Uh, and because the brain is so incredibly complicated, it, it we, it's that whole ironic, uh, the brain can't quite understand itself. I mean, it's, it's, it's a level of complication that, uh, looking, uh, at our at our brains, at which we're using our brains to figure stuff out. <laughs> anyway, uh, we reach a certain point where we can't figure out exactly what's what's happening. Nowhere is that better demonstrated than than mental illness, because you uh, as you get more and more complicated. Uh, this is true of any disease, uh, even ones that aren't in, uh, in the psych- psychiatric spectrum, just of, of physical diseases as well, uh, or or you know endocrine uh, on and on. As it gets more complicated, you can describe the symptoms uh, more and more, but you can, but describing the etiology, the cause of that gets more and more difficult. And so it becomes more and more about treating symptoms rather than mm. causes. Uh, and so when people, you know, uh, have diabetes, well, we know what causes that. And so you can treat the cause, you know, this, there's not insulin being secreted. Well, we will put insulin in your blood and that will cure the diabetes. Uh, uh, and it's an ongoing thing, but that's what fixes it with mental illness. All we can look at is these are the symptoms that, that people have, and they're so varied. I give, mean, give us some examples of some I, really interesting my, ones. My, uh, I mean, one that I had personal experience with when I was on the when I was in the inpatient psychiatry wards, um, I had to interview a patient, and uh, you know the the psychiatrists uh, that are the attendings for these uh, inpatient wards. They really love. Uh, they just they delight in torturing medical students uh, <laughs> because they know how uncomfortable you are, and and so. Uh, I, there's something in them that really likes to just say, uh, you know, go just do an interview, see what you can figure out. And then, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, same thing. You know, you, all you've ever seen is movies and stuff. And so, um, I was with a, you know, guy who was, you know, very quiet, you know, stern, severe, didn't want to talk very much. And I was just, you know, he knows I'm just a short coat. They make you wear a short white medical coat when you're in med school. (laughs) And, uh, and so I'm like, uh, hello, sir. Uh, I am Joel Hunter. I would just like to ask you a few questions in this, in this safe space here. Uh, and I'm trying to say all the stuff (laughs) that I've read in a booklet the night before about how to say stuff. And, um, all of it feels so stupid, uh, as I'm saying it, but I, I, I spent 15 minutes talking to him and, uh, and then I was like, thank you for your time. And I left. And the attendings were like, well, what's your diagnosis, doctor? Because they say it real sarcastically because uh, they know you're not one yet. Uh, and uh, it's a real, a real hierarchy. And, uh, and I was like, well, I believe he probably has some uh, major depressive disorder uh, and could be an element of bipolar based on what he was saying about his time of recovery in the hospital and his increased agitation. I'm thinking like, boy, I'm just, 
knocking this out of the park. I'm saying so many big words. These guys are probably amazed at my skills. And and uh, they uh, they the psychiatry attendings smiled at each other and they were like, uh, I think you would have noticed during that phase when he was agitated, if you'd have followed up on that a little more, you might want to do that next time. He would have told you about how during his hospitalization, uh, radio transistors were implanted into his brain. And uh, around that time was when he realized that his parents were not actually his parents, but imposters from the FBI. Uh, and he could no longer trust them. And uh, and it turns out he had this really rare condition called Capgrass syndrome. Capgrass syndrome is you believe people that are your loved ones, people that are in your trusted circle, uh, they are indistinguishable from the real version, but they have been replaced either by aliens or by FBI. Oh, some, somebody that's, that's there to do you harm. Uh, or at least doesn't have really good intentions. Uh, and, and it's, but that one is one where you can kind of figure out what causes it. Uh, people that have a lesion in the, in, the, in the tract that carries information from your visual cortex, your facial recognition, you actually have part of your visual cortex that's, uh, that's responsible for facial recognition, uh, and their emotional uh, centers in their, in their brain. Uh, the wire, if the wiring between those two gets clipped, either by a lesion, a tumor, a stroke, um, these people see people faces that are familiar to them that should evoke some emotional and they have none. And so the brain, oh. your only, your only recourse is to be like, must be an imposter. Uh, oh, interesting. And That's so, so interesting. And there, and, and there's just, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, different ones that are like where you wouldn't even believe it if it was written into fiction, but it exists in the, in the real world. Um, there you know one, you know, when I, 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 uh, out of our research department, one of the, the thing on the list that I, was drawn toward was a actually a, a biblically cited um, 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 event in which it's called boanthropy. Uh, is that is that how you pronounce that boanthropy? Uh -huh. Boanthropy or something like that. Um, anyhow, it's it's where people believe they are cows. Mm -hmm. And in in the fourth chapter of, of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar um, is is has been cursed. Is been prophesied that he's going to go out and graze like the animal, and he literally goes out and and becomes a grazing animal in the field. Oh yeah, that, that is a, I always that was one of my favorite Bible stories because I was like, ha ha, not so kingly now, are you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's an actual mental illness. Yeah. So boanthropy. Uh, there's also anthropopathy, which is when cows think they're humans. All of the, <laughs> the Chick Fil A signs are That's just right. riddled with those cows. <laughs> boanthropy. Uh, it's a mental illness amongst cows and they try to tell us to eat more chicken. Uh, oh that, that, that happens. Um, there is a, there's a whole spectrum of, of mental illness and, uh, and the most, uh, the most widely known is, uh, major depressive disorder. Uh, and that's followed, you know, closely behind by schizophrenia. Um, and, uh, and, and major depressive disorder, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar syndrome, um, these are these are famous uh, ones. These aren't the obscure ones, and they're famous for good reason because uh, we see the effect that it has on society, uh, uh, not just amongst people that that we know, but amongst uh, a lot of people that are poor and homeless that we don't know. Uh, so anyway, when we come back, I think we should talk about that. I think yeah, let's we'll, do it. We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back to The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter. I'm here with your host, Joel Hunter. Uh, this is about mental illness today. Yeah. And just to clarify, 
that I am not uh, referring to myself twice on this mental illness. <laughs> That's episode. right. Yeah. That would be, that would fit right in. Yeah, it? it really it really would. Uh, uh, it's, I just had this creepy image of what if I'm just in this room by myself and, <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, that's the theme of uh, the movie fight club. Uh, he has, he has quite the, uh, quite the uh, split personality, oh, is that right? dissociative I identity that. disorder. Uh, that's a real one. Dissociative yeah. I, uh, identity disorder where, uh, and those, it's interesting. That one is so just to show that this stuff isn't just, uh, this is my imagination one way or the other. It's. Uh, those people have different metabolism depending on their different personalities that they really? have. Yeah, there's there's one famous case of uh, one personality was uh, very allergic to uh, oranges and like hospitalized allergic. And uh, one, another one of the personalities uh, uh, liked drinking orange juice. Uh, it was in the New York Times. This was like 10 oh or 15 years ago. Oh anyway, um, the reason that we're talking about mental illness today is because... Um, you know, your passion, Pop, is, uh, you know, to, to help those uh, that, are, that are poor and vulnerable. The homeless population uh, specifically is, is, is what you spend a lot of your time uh, mm-hmm. working with. Um, and there is a, a history uh, of mental illness, uh, that, a timeline that coexists with, with homelessness. Um, and uh, there's been this uh, deinstitutionalization over the last 50 years or so, kind of accelerating yeah. over the last 30 or 40 years, uh, where it, I was reading stats on this, and in 1955, there were uh, over half a million inpatient psychiatric beds. Yeah. Uh, and and we are down now to somewhere in the range of the most recent static I find was somewhere in the range of 100,000 beds for mm-hmm. psychiatric. Um, and it started with, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. You know, this idea of let's empty out mental hospitals, uh, people that are in, in uh, inpatient facilities, they can't leave. Uh, let's let's empty those. It would sound if you just word it like that, like, well, that seems like a bad idea in general. But as I was reading about it, there's kind of some nuance to it. The idea was to, you know, make sure that people that uh, are their rights are being respected, you know, yeah. uh, and, and they're in their. I remember those days. I remember it was in the mid 70s that they developed this philosophy of, well, if if we can. Um, um, kind of transfer them to halfway houses, mm-hmm. you know, then they can function in society, those that are able to function uh, at all. Um, and that functioning will make them better. They will make them healthier. They will be respected more. You know, we'll treat them as people, uh, not as uh, mere uh, patients. Um, and so it was, it was, it was a good uh, uh, motivation. Uh, it just wasn't a great strategy. Yeah, and it was uh, it was 1963 when it very first uh, this was this was JFK uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> who signed the Community Mental Health Centers Construction Act, and the idea was uh, he said we are going to build one for every 125,000 to 250,000 people. <laughs> that many centers would allow patients to remain close to the families. And be integrated into society. Uh, but uh, I lost it towards the end there. Yeah, well, that it was, was good, it was, though. <laughs> good start. So it, the, the problem was this, there's a statistic that 75% of those patients that were in the mental hospital, they didn't have a family. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be real helpful. And then, as often happens in government, uh, a lot of money was saved because a lot of people were you know, released from these, these inpatient hospitals. Uh, and then, uh, when it came time to build all these community centers, yep. uh, th- not nearly enough got built. Exactly. I mean, it was a 10th exactly. of what was uh, necessary. Yep. And so, uh, you end up with, uh, uh, this was the most striking, uh, statistic. Uh, uh, and what made it more striking was, uh, I, I was, as I was reading this article, it wasn't 
they weren't put next to each other for effect. It was something where I had to go back and look at the old number. In 1955, there was, it was 556,000 patients that were inpatient uh, in, with mental illness. Uh, in 2004, it was uh, 320,000 people who were in jail had mental illness. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there were only yeah. 100,000 psychiatric beds. So there yeah. were three more people, three three people in jail with mental illness for every one that had one of these inpatient psychiatric yeah. beds. Um, and it explains why, I mean, it's it's why, it's part of what gives the, the homeless population its, its um, uh, caricature, you mm-hmm. know, the, uh, and, and mm-hmm. part of what keeps people uh, afraid or at least able to, there's an otherness that they don't even have to think about it because you walk by a homeless person that, you know, quacks, like a duck and chases after you and yeah. then laughs and, and uh, you know, and then eats a styrofoam cup off the ground. That, that's somebody who has a, a, a mental illness uh, and, uh, and, and should be hospitalized somewhere. Um, but I'm sure that as, as somebody who's worked with trying to help solve this problem, that caricature, I mean, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta hurt the cause some, I mean, and, 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 and do you split it into two different, I mean, when you're when you're solving this to get people involved, do you, is it that you have to decipher between people that are mentally ill, homeless versus people that are sick, homeless versus people that are yeah, just absolutely, kind of, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's the old Tolstoy quote um, in Anna Karenina: uh, "Every happy family is alike, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way." That's and a so, great quote. Yeah, it really is, and 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 so you can't just have a blanket solution or a blanket categorization, um, many of those who are mentally ill on our streets um, um, either have quit taking their medication or they haven't got the wherewithal, the high fun- level of functionality to take medication. Um, and so things aren't going to get any better and things are going to be more dangerous for both for them and those around them. Yeah, um, And that's why we need to approach the, the mental health aspect of this and not the the blame and the shame kind of approach uh, because uh, nobody wants to be crazy. Nobody wants to be dysfunctional. Nobody wants to live on the street um, that um, that is, 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 has a better offer. Hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a, that, that says it all right there. It's, it's uh, you know, you will either have this choice to survive, which is a, uh, which is a very, uh, innate, I mean, that survival, that, that will to survive against all odds. That's, that's, uh, we share that with every animal all the way down the line, uh, and plants, if you go farther back. Um, but if, if you have the choice between that or thriving, you know, anyone would choose thriving if they knew they had a better option. Um, uh, we only have uh, two minutes to, to go over it, but the people that you're describing that have mental illness, um, that, uh, that's part of that definition, right? Of the chronically homeless. Uh, it is. It is to be chronically homeless um, means you have a, a disability that has rendered you unable to hold a job, and so you either have a physical disability, a mental disability, a developmental disability, hmm. um, or an addiction that is so acute you can't possibly work. And so these these are people where I mean by the most strict definition, they really are in a position where they cannot help themselves. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a laziness issue, a willpower issue. Uh, you know, well, if you had better morals, you wouldn't be in this situation. It's something that like something needs to be done. Either they're going to stay in this chronically homeless state or die yeah. or get better. And if it's the get better option, um, uh, there's, I, well, I don't, we don't have enough time to go into it. We do. We have one minute. Um, 
what, what, when you're doing the commission on homelessness, yeah. uh, uh, you, there was this whole housing first thing and that seemed, that seemed to make a big right. difference for people. Right. Uh, what, what was the idea behind Huge that? Huge difference because with housing, you assign uh, a case manager uh, that, that gives you the kind of individual diagnostic and therapeutic care that you need to become functional. And a huge portion of these, those who are mentally ill are mentally ill simply because they haven't been um, given the right medication mm -hmm. or they haven't taken the medication. They haven't had a reminder, somebody remind them, you got to take this medication and so on and so forth. Once they do that, they become functioning. Yeah. And they, and they stay housed. Yeah. 95% of the people we put in house, in, or if not 97 uh, percent stay housed. That, it's in, yeah, and and that's what's so wonderful about uh, a treatable illness is that when it gets treated, the illness goes away. You know, yep. and the symptoms of it do, and that's and that's the case with mental illness as well, which is why this is so uh, exciting. We have to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and a little bit more about how to handle uh, you know uh, mental illness interacting with uh, with those with uh, mental illness in general. Uh, kind of what we can do uh, to help be uh, better helpers with that. Welcome back to The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with your other host, who is also Joel Hunter. He is my father and the wisest man you'll ever hear from. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, you have a low bar here. <clears throat> number number one, I have traveled to the top of several very tall mountains <laughs> and seen people with long white beards ask them questions. They seemed childish because I grew up with you. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, mental illness and... Uh, the impact that that has uh, on on the community, specifically with with homelessness and and people that are uh, in difficult spots in the socioeconomic ladder, uh, and uh, the the big three are uh, depression, mm -hmm. schizophrenia, and uh, bipolar, uh, and and those are those are probably those are, those account for uh, the the vast majority of of these cases. Now, there's there's other stuff that that really matters, um, you know, severe personality disorders, and uh, there's a um, what's the one? Oh, a dementia, which is a which is a significant uh, portion of the population, especially as you get more elderly, but not only elderly. Um, and so, when we're talking about uh, these different disorders, we we started to get to this last segment. Uh, there's there's medicine for this, you know, and uh, and so uh, w part of the issue that uh, people face is uh, when you know when we have a headache uh, or if we have an infection, and then the doctor says, "Here's here's Tylenol or here's your antibiotics," uh, we take it. Um, but that's that doesn't work in these situations no, with chronically homeless. It's unbelievable how people with with mental illness or degrees of mental illness of the people around them. Uh, all of a sudden, they take it off the the uh, the medical framing um, uh, or the functional framing, and they start blaming and shaming. You know, they're just a weird person, and they're just acting weird, and they just, you know, um, they're uncomfortable to be around, and so on and so forth. And so, I think that 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 not only for the people on the streets, but the people who are actually with us in the relationships that surround us. Uh, we have to realize that everybody has episodes <clears throat> where they are um, maybe less functional or less um, um, able to um, um, hold up their end of the relationship. Yeah. And that might be a pattern 
um, that needs to be addressed. Um, and if it's not addressed, it'll just get worse. Yeah. And, and the whole issue with uh, it's all in it's all in your head, it's all in their head um, is that the it's correct. What you're saying is correct. But the but the power of that statement, uh, it's been neutered over time to, to, to comparing that to. This is an issue where you have a choice one way or the other. And, and probably the best way to, to demonstrate the power of what's inside your head, the power of the cortex that's between your two ears, no one would shame somebody who had had a severe left-sided stroke uh, to the left side of their brain and could no longer use their right arm or right leg. No one would shame them for not being able to pick up a bottle of pills with their right arm right. And, and take the lid off and then take those pills. Um, but when it gets to lesions, disorders of the ner- of the of the sensory cortex, uh, sorry, not the sensory cortex, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, neocortex, the neocortical, the, you know, the gray matter that governs our actions. When it comes to the physical neurotransmitter abundance or depletion or la- or or uh, mis- uh, re- rewiring in ways that are uh, counterproductive. Um, it suddenly switches. It's the same brain controlling the same hand. Yeah. It's one step higher up the ladder. It's the part saying, now I'm going to move my hand uh, because it's it's too busy uh, hearing internal stimuli or seeing visual stimuli. The same thing's true with the mental illness of addiction. Um, and that one's harder for people because they say, well, if they hadn't picked up a drink in the first place, one way that... And, and that's accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. Uh, uh, if you're not if you're not uh, in, put in front of that in the first place, then then it's not going to be an issue. But we're not talking about uh, let's let's go over what you did wrong ten years ago. Exactly. It, this is a situation where there is uh, um, major major problems for people, major symptoms, sometimes death if they were to try to stop taking whatever drug it is they're addicted to, yeah. uh, because they've built the wiring. The wiring is so so poorly built. Um, and so probably the, the most helpful thing uh, to, to realize, first off, when dealing with mental illness, it is, it's, an, it's an illness. You know, it's, it's something that uh, is, is an issue. And so it makes it really easy to caricaturize homelessness and people that, you know, have schizophrenia uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It is weird. Yeah. And, and so, it's, you know, that's what we do with weird, uncomfortable stuff is yeah. we say, ha, ha, ha. Uh, but it's, it's something where it has a major effect on the community. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking about there's, there's some stuff that's just maybe not intuitive, uh, but ways to talk. Uh, if you're, if you're dealing with, uh, not you yourself have mental illness, but you, someone that you know does, or if you're, um, like, Hey, I want to get involved in this stuff. Uh, I, I, I like this idea of helping people. I'm terrified of uh, people that have uh, mental illness. Um, how do I even begin to approach yeah. that? There's, there's, there's ways that are Absolutely. correct. Absolutely. I, you know, when you're talking, first of all, you don't have to pretend to know more than you do. Um, when we talked about um, every un, every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way, and every unhappy person is unhappy in their own way, um, don't be too quick to compare them with someone else. You know, don't be too quick to say, "Oh, you got a problem." My uncle John had that same problem. Mm-hmm. No, no, you've got to you've got to ask, you've got to hear them, um, you've got to understand uh, over a long period of time their thought pattern before you will even be relevant uh, to empathize, let alone try to help them with the problem. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we we need to do is we need to be, be humble enough to say, not sure what's going on inside your head, but I, I care about you. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to know what you're going through and, and, and why 
things are turning out like they are. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first step. You've got to show the respect of trying to understand someone else in their world, in mm -hmm. their terms. Yeah. And, and mental illness, I mean, we were talking about depression being the, the one that is uh, the, the highest percentage. It, it's the winner in the statistical uh, race of who has the most. Uh, uh, more people suffer from depression than these other mental illnesses. It's a, it's, and depression is a, 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 a lack of the right neurochemicals. Typically serotonin is the key player in that, uh, that causes, uh, you know, a whole host of symptoms, but it is an illness because it's, it's, it's too much of a natural thing, which is there are times where people really do struggle and are sad and all that. And the reason I'm saying that is because on that spectrum, this thing, this idea that you're talking about, which is the power of just listening and trying to understand someone uh, without trying to fix them and without trying to, uh, you know, prove what you know about what they've got going on, whether it's somebody who's going just through a really hard time or somebody who's mentally ill, there's, there's a lot of power in something that seems really easy, but nobody does, which is just yeah, listening, you know, exactly. uh, just, just actively listening and trying to understand things from, from their perspective. So, and I think also when you talk about these things, Joel, it's, it's important to, to know um, that they need the very thing they can't believe in. D depression by itself, uh, uh, just by its own definition, means I've lost hope. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll always feel this lousy. I'll always um, be sad. I'll always um, cut myself off or be cut off from other people. Um, and so they need someone, whether they believe it or not, <laughs> to be able to say, I think things are going to get better, hmm. uh, but I'm I'm willing. I, I want to I want to stick with you mm -hmm. um, until that happens for you. Yeah. Um, because because when people, you know, your brother used to say, you know, if you don't have hope, I'll, you know, I'll you can have some of mine. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I th I think that it's it's really important for people to know that their dysfunction is not going to drive someone else off, which just just confirms their depression, you know, that they're a downer, um, but have but have somebody else say, you know, things are going to get better. Yeah. And it's part of why we need each other so much. I mean, just people were built for relationships uh, in general. And no one is at 100% all the time. Uh, and some people, uh, if we're talking about motivation and, and zest for life, you you meet the freaks of nature who only dip down into the into the high eighties as far as being a hundred percent. A bad day for them is the day where they they only ran eighteen miles instead of twenty. Uh, and and then there are people that really get hit hard by mental illness or really hard by uh, situations in life that are so gross and horrible that it's hard for us to comprehend them. Um, but when we're all in it together. Yeah. Um, everybody doesn't have to be at a hundred percent at the same time. That's you right. know, uh, that's that, right. that idea of being able to, uh, be buoyancy, you know, and, and this, this idea of, 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 if you're a rising tar, a, a rising tide that, that raises all ships, yeah. you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's helpful to, to know that you've got somebody around that can, that can be a little bit of extra motivation for you. I mean, that was one of the issues with, uh, de depression drugs at first was is just because people, it's hard to understand how bad it is, how depressing it is. Um, that the reason there's suicide warnings on those is because when people got just feeling just good enough to get out of bed, that then they would they would commit suicide, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, reaching out a hand to be there to to listen, 
it might seem like it's not that much, but when you're at that level of, it's, huge. Uh, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, it always comes down to there's, there's simple ways to help. And a lot of times helping is simpler than, than we think it would be. Um, that's part of what that, you know, with simple help, uh, if you go to simple.help, just type that into your browser, simple.help, uh, you can find uh, once, once a week, an email goes out and there's a way on Monday through Friday of what's the simple help for that day. And it's a, sim- it's a simple thing to do. One of them recently was listen to somebody, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and doing those things really does, uh, really does help. Uh, thank you for listening to This Show Pop. Thank you for your insights on this. You betcha. Always wise. And uh, we will see you next time on The Bright Side. <laughs>